Welcome back, everyone, to the 90 and 60 Plus podcast. My name is Christian. Here today, we got three of our co-hosts in the house. We have myself, Saul, and Aldo with us. Aldo, I mean, excuse me, Chris can't be here this week, but we press on because the World Cup is less than a week away, and we want to get our roster breakdowns, our group stage predictions, and recap Europe all in one week before the World Cup kicks off. So that's why we're here today, and we're here to hopefully bring you guys the content y'all deserve. So once again, my name is Christian, and I'm joined here in person this week with Saul. Saul, how you doing, man? Yo, yo, I'm pretty good, you know, excited. The World Cup's, as you said, less than a week away. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm just excited about the tournament. And then joining us remote, we also have Aldo with us. Aldo, what about you, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. Um, watched a lot of football over the weekend and and very excited for the World Cup, too. You know, so bring it on, man. How about you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks for asking. And yeah, just like all of y'all, I'm excited to get the World Cup up and going and excited to talk about it on the podcast with you guys. So let's uh, just dive right. Let's just dive straight into the podcast and We'll kick off like we always do with our biggest takeaways for the week. And I'll kick it off with mine. Uh, mine is pretty, I think, big news. Um, so if you guys don't know, uh, the World Cup is obviously one of the most controversial World Cups in a while um, because Qatar is notoriously a homophobic city or country. But I just want to give a shout out to the U.S. because they are implementing the crest with a rainbow print on it in the training camps that they are going to be training in in Qatar. So I think good for them to, you know, show up in... Uh, take on some responsibility, you know, take a stand for human rights that not everyone agrees with. And I think it's in a nice subtle way where um, it's a nice balance and not really all that controversial. So I think good for the U.S. I think it's a move of pure class. And yeah, there should be representation from all people in the World Cup. So that's why I'm really behind this and really behind the U.S. But that's mine for the week. Uh, Sol, what about you? Yeah, mine is uh, pretty short, pretty simple. But I mean, it's a guy... Um, I wish Chris was here, but we've been giving him um, a lot of praise lately, which is uh, Miguel Almiron or Miggy, however you call him. Uh, he won the Player of the Month for Premier League. You know, um, we've been praising this guy, and I think uh, Player of the Month proves how good of a form he's in, and that um, he also another accolade that Jack Grealish doesn't have that he can add. So, yeah, just wanted to give him a shout-out, but yeah, that's my takeaway. Nice. And although I know yours is going to take a little bit more time, we want to make it a bit more of a discussion. So let's hear it, man. What you got? Yeah, man. Uh, first of all, uh, for all of you guys playing FIFA out there, if you guys did do that player of the month, Almiron, pretty good. Not going to lie. Um, he's pretty solid in the game. But my takeaway, you know, brings it back to Manchester. Everyone has seen it. Everyone has heard it. Um, it's that interview Ronaldo had with, uh, what's his name, Piers Morgan, I think it was. Yeah. So, it's pretty insane. Now, to be fair, I haven't seen the whole interview because I think it's not out yet. Um, so, all, all we've seen, all we've heard is just snippets um, out of the whole thing. But the words are there, you know. He says he feels betrayed. He has no respect for Ten Hag, um, which is quite crazy. It's a big bombshell for United. Um and just the timing of it is so bad. But what are your thoughts on it, guys? What have you guys heard? Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you're correct. I think I saw a Piers Morgan tweet. It was like, I think for Cristiano Ronaldo was trending. I clicked on it. And I saw a Piers Morgan tweet that he's like, oh, he's like, not, he's like, the full interview's not even out yet. And it's already the most talked about or something like that. But yeah, he said it's going to be a two parter. 
like Wednesday, and it's gonna come out Wednesday and Thursday night, a two-parter, and that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, as you said, I've, I've, I've only seen quotes from it, so I really, I mean, as, uh, as you said, I mean, I'm not a United fan, but it is bad timing. You guys are in tremendous form going into the World Cup, and yeah, it's just the timing's awful. But I think he's. I think he did it. He timed it himself so that he can force a move in January. Um, yeah, it's just weird. I mean, some of the quotes I've seen, you know, I could see where he's coming from, but the other ones just seem malicious and that, you know, someone that's a team leader and considered a club legend at United, I don't think should be doing this type of interview, especially when the harmony at United is so good. And it's just everything's so positive. And, you know, after years of... Um, after how bad Man United have been for years, it looks like everything's finally starting to look a bit up. Like there's going to be, there's some uh, light at the end of the tunnel, fo- tunnel finally, and then Ronaldo just drops his bombshell, as you said, and it just, it doesn't look good, you know? It's just, especially as a leader and club legend, he, he should know better than this, but yeah, as I said, I think he's just trying to ultimately force a move in January. But, yeah. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit. And it's interesting. It's a very interesting subject, not just in football, but in sports in general. Uh, One of my sports promotion classes I take, you know, we always start the class with what's going on in the world of sports. This was a pretty heavily talked about subject this morning. Um, And honestly, I see both sides of the argument, but I'm going to kind of, you know, play devil's advocate on Ronaldo's part. And you guys know me. I'm not the biggest Ronaldo supporter. I don't um, really like him as far as how he is as a person, as an athlete. Don't get me wrong. Phenomenal. But... I think I agree with Saul how the timing can be a bit better, but what better timing to do it than after or during the World Cup break and you come back and you get that move in January so I can see that part. And honestly, I know it's not the most ethical or right way to go about it, but I truly do believe it's what Ronaldo has to do. And a lot of things he's saying is is true. We've heard him from a lot of famous players. They have come through United before. You know, we heard Slatan come out recently. Not recently, it was a while ago, but it's the same sentiment. You know, it's a big club with a small club mentality. And Ronaldo was saying how the facilities haven't been upgraded since he was 21, 22. And yeah, there's just a lot of facts in there that I think people can read more into other than the fact that, oh, Ronaldo's throwing another temper tantrum. But no, I'm kind of glad he did it for his own sake because he, in many parts, is being held as almost a prisoner. And he tried to move out in the summer. They wouldn't let him. Not sure if you guys saw those reports about how the club didn't truly believe him, how his child was sick, and that's why he missed the preseason and the pregames, and everyone gave him crap because they're just saying he's not committed to the club. And there's all these speculations and allegations, but no, I truly do believe that Ronaldo didn't have, didn't do this with malicious intent. That's all I will say. See, that part I agree with where he says that the club facilities and stuff hasn't been upgraded. That's just that's just unacceptable, especially for a club the size of United, but again, we know how uh, stingy their owners are, so you can't really... F- blame anyone but the owners there but I agree with that sentiment but some of the other stuff where he says he feels betrayed by the club and all this stuff I mean this is the guy that was trying to force a move all summer and it's just it just doesn't look good I mean he he practically forced a move to United um but I mean I mean there's reports everywhere that said no one wanted him in the summer I mean United I think multiple times told him like bring us an offer that suits both of us and we'll work with you and he just couldn't present anything. I was reading that the only club that was somewhat interested was Chelsea, and that was more because of uh, Todd Bowley. And you know, he wanted to make a big, a big signing. But Tuchel was like, "No, I don't want him. He's just going to ruin the dynamics of the club," which I think he would have. But 
Yeah, I mean, it's been reported multiple times that it was no clubs. I mean, it was kind of embarrassing because he's a legend of football, whether you like him or not. And it was just embarrassing seeing him get left, seeing him get rejected left, right, and center. He got rejected by Atletico Madrid. Um, I think Bayern, Dortmund, Sporting, his boyhood club. So it, it's just like, I, I don't know in what sense he can feel betrayed. I mean, does he just um, expect the club to just give him away? I mean, I would understand give him away for free, but I think he was asking for his contract to be paid out and then let him leave for, leave for free, which would make no sense for United to do, which I, which I stand with United on that point. But it's just, it's just, I don't know how you can feel betrayed. I mean, he didn't bring any offers that suited anyone, but that's just as my opinion. Interesting thoughts from both of y'all. Appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of in in between, you know, both of these arguments because I can see where he's coming from, uh, I can see what he's saying, but at the same time, you know, I don't know the whole story yet. I need to, I honestly need to, need to see this whole interview. So. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to see this whole interview, see exactly what what's going on, because it can be taken out of context. Um, but, yeah, uh, going back to the, to the owners, you know, how you were saying so and how, how bad, you know, the infrastructure is there and the facilities are. I can definitely see that. Don't get me wrong. I can definitely see that. I mean, they basically put the glo- uh, the Glazers put the club in debt as soon as they got it. So I can definitely see them not trying to pay up, you know, make the stadium better to make it the facilities better. Um, I was again also on his talk about Ralph Ragnick on how they could bring him in. You know, I can kind of defend United in that point because during that time there wasn't really a you know, a top-notch coach available when they brought Ralph Ragnick in. Um, so they were just kind of like, you know what, we're giving up on this season, which sucks to say, but they, they tried to bring someone in um, before Ten Ten Hockey, and all of that fell over. And again, that's just because of the, you know, the, the director's perspective um, at United. So I'll, I can't wait to see the whole interview. I'll see what happens then when I see it, and and then I'll go from there. But I am shocked just at the timing of all this. I mean, like you said, man, we've been in pretty good form, and he just comes out like that. I mean, I can see why he feels betrayed, too. He did a lot for the club. Don't get me wrong. He definitely did a lot. But at the end of the day, no club is – I mean, no player is bigger than the club. Yeah. yeah. No, no matter how, but how bad the club is or how bad the owners are, no players bigger than the club. Didn't he also like bash Ten Hag a bit? He's like Ten Hag doesn't respect me, so I don't respect him. I mean, at that point, I mean, yeah, I think he's yeah, just he's asking scared. to leave the club oh, at yeah. that point. I mean, there's no need to bash yeah. the coach. I mean, of course we don't know what he went did, on behind the scenes. That. We don't know what went on behind the scenes, but I mean, he said he's like Ten Hag and three others have betrayed me. Something along those lines. But oh, he was saying like Ten Hag and like some of the directors. Uh, didn't want him last season or this season. I mean, um, if we're being honest, I don't think United wanted him. I mean, I've said it before. I think he tried to play that same card. I mean, um, he he was linked to Barca, but in reality, he didn't want to go to Barca. He wanted to, you know, get linked to Real Madrid's rival son. Real Madrid would hopefully swoop in, pick him up, and take him back to Real Madrid. But, you know, 
uh, Paris. He's too smart for that. He didn't fall for it. He's just like, all right, you want to go to Barca? Go to Barca. And then, you know, Barca was just like, yeah, we're not interested either. And then, you know, he did the same with City. And then Pep came out later just saying, like, people called him petty and whatnot. But Pep was like, I don't think we would have signed Ronaldo regardless. But, you know, United had already fallen for the trap. But I just, I don't think United ever really wanted him. They just, like, there was so much a link to City that United, like, like we can't let him go. So they actually just got him. But they, I don't think they ever planned on it. Yeah, man, it's it's just hard with all this that's going on because I still believe that getting Ronaldo back was a little bit of Ola's downfall. It was a huge part, I'm not going to lie. Um, but that that's, we've already talked about that's in the past. We'll just have to see what the future brings, you know, for Ronaldo more specifically and then for United as well. Um, I also saw, like, a little video on Twitter of... Oh, him and uh, Bruno? Yeah, him and Bruno. And it was like, it was a bit weird, you know, because it was just a firm handshake. Like, it wasn't one of those. It isn't a type of greeting that, you know, like us, you know, if we were playing with a team, you know how we greet each other. We say, hey, what's up, dude? You know, what's up here and there? Mm-hmm. Theirs was just like a firm handshake and, and then went their ways. I was like, oh, man, something's going on there. So um, there was also, I heard a report that some many players uh, were actually disappointed with Ronaldo uh, about this. So, but we'll, we'll see what the future brings for him. I can't wait to see the the full interview because then I'll I'll really have my conclusions then. Yeah. But man, it's a bombshell. <laughs> and just like anything, you know, there's two sides to each story. This is Ronaldo's side, where yet they see, or here United side or Ten Hag side, but. Yeah, everything will unfold, and best believe that we'll be here on this podcast to talk about it when it does. So yeah. stay tuned for oh, that. And then a little bit fair play to United. I did see the statement they brought out mm-hmm. uh, for like Ronaldo. They did say that they were also going to wait um, for like the whole story to come out Yeah, before they do anything. So fair play to them not to take like any crazy decisions now. I mean, they can't realistically do anything. <laughs> what are they going to do? Suspend him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ronaldo can solely focus on Portugal now. And you brought up Bruno, dude, but I'm interested to see how that World Cup was going to go now for Portugal with, you know, Bruno and then there's Dalot in there also. But, yeah, we'll definitely see. Um, hopefully it doesn't hinder anything for Portugal because they are a st- strong squad and strong contender. But, yeah, I just I just can't wait to talk about the World Cup. So, before we get into all of that, I think we want to recap, you know, uh, the conclusion of club football for now. I mean, talking about Ronaldo, talking about United, I think that's a perfect segue to the Premier League, which wrapped up action this past weekend. Some big matches, big results, but this is how we look going into the World Cup break. Um, still Arsenal in first place, and it's good to see them five points ahead of Manchester City, which is nice. And who would have thought? Newcastle's in third, fourth is Spurs, fifth is Man United. Six is Liverpool, and man, Chelsea is really struggling, bro. They're all the way down in eighth place right now. But yeah, a lot to talk about, a lot to unfold. Where do you guys want to start? I think we got I think we got to start at City Brentford. I wouldn't say most surprising yes. win of the of the weekend, but I would say it caught everyone off guard. And I, I didn't get to watch it because it was an early kickoff, like five. Let's in go the bees. But from what I saw, a lot of people were just saying that Man City players had a. Uh, 
World Cup-itis, you know? Like, they weren't going the maximum because they were just... I think it was a lot of players this weekend, as a matter of fact, that you just... Yeah. They just didn't want to get injured before the World Cup, and they weren't giving it the raw. And, well, maybe the city thought they could pull this game out, but um, they didn't know that Ivan Tony was a... Uh, was hurt from not making the World Cup squad and was out on a mission. So, yeah, I mean, they lost 2-1. Uh, Last-minute winner, but yeah, just from what I read, City just didn't look like City that game. Nah, City had their chances. They cr- they created really good uh, opportunities. They just didn't put them away. Um, whereas Brentford, they created limited opportunities, and they put, you know, more. They put two away, which is one more than than City so I think they were honestly really deserved winners they held held it down defensively um, but yeah Ivan Tony just was the game changer for them for that reason you know he, he was like you know what alright you're not taking me well this is what you're going to miss out you know uh, late game winner in a tight match this is what I could have offered you so and you know Ivan Tony he's still pretty young right he's what like 20 I think he's 26. I thought he was 28. He's still very young. By the time the next World Cup comes by, he might be in his prime and it it should be very, very much better for England. So we'll see what happens there. But no, I think it was a deserved win by Brentford all the way. Bro, Brentford owns Manchester now after beating City. At 4 0, welcome to United. Now they beat City. Man. I mean, there was a late winner by Ivan Tony in this game. Late winner by young Argentine Alejandro Gamacho in United versus yes, Fulham. Sir. I really thought Fulham could pull off the upset, and although they weren't winning most of the game, they were, you know, they were holding United to a draw. So I thought they could at least squeak that out. But in comes the what, eighteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old? Eighteen. Eighteen-year-old man. That that kid's future is so promising. Uh, good to see him popping up with the goal. And honestly, if it wasn't for that late goal, United would be a much different conversation now heading into the World Cup break. Honestly, yeah, that guy, that kid, man. Well, it was funny. I was watching that game, and and I was telling my girlfriend, you know, I was like, hey, like he's just 18, and she was like, this is just a kid. And then he scores the goal. I'm like, that's not a kid no more. That's a man, <laughs> boy. And then the commentator was like, this is a premier Premier League man now. I was like, oh, damn. See, I knew it. But now uh, that guy, that kid, man, he's got – Talent. the future ahead of him he just has to really focus man um he can't have any of those slip-ups like other promising stars had you know like mason greenwood more more especially and that guy that kid was a big talent right yeah it's even you know. <laughs> project Amacha right there yeah but no man or is that called garnachas <laughs> But no, he's got to stay focused for that. He really does. Um, I just can't wait to see what what else, what the future holds for him. Yeah. Yeah, there was a late winner in that game. Although it wasn't a late winner, but Spurs did pull off a 4-3 win over Leeds. I mean, this was quite the opposite of last week when Leeds pulled off the 4-3 victory in their match. But no, good to see. Uh, I think it was Benton Kerr with a late brace that got the win for Spurs. And Newcastle, bro. Although it wasn't Miguel Almiron and although it wasn't a 4-0 victory, it was a narrow 1-0 win over Chelsea, and now that's three games in a row where Chelsea have been yet to register a single point. I mean, I raised the question last week of how much longer are we going to give Potter to really get this thing going. I think this World Cup break can't come any sooner for Chelsea. I really do think that it's much needed. It's much needed time for 
Potter and the rest of the team to charge their batteries and hopefully going after or going back into the Premier League after the World Cup, they can get everything in order. Yeah. I mean, before Chelsea, I wanted to quickly mention, dude, Leeds, last three games have all been amazing games to watch. Like, they could become instant, not instant classics, but they've just been tremendous. I mean, uh, three weeks ago, I think they beat... It was either three or two. I think it was three. They beat Liverpool 2-1 with the last-minute goal. And then last week versus... It was Bournemouth, correct? Yeah. They won 4-3. But then And then this week, again, it was a banger of a game. But they lose this one 4-3. But, yeah, Leeds... Um, yeah, just they've they just been in tremendous games this season. Like, they've just been high action. But... Yeah, Chelsea. I think I think you said it. Right? I think you you said all there is to say. You know that World Cup break. I think is going to help them. I think it's going to whichever players stick around. I think they're going to get more used to and like know what type of football Potter wants them to play. And yeah, and then you know after the World Cup they'll recover some players from injury. And I think I won't say they won't get it hit the ground running again. But I think we we'll see them get back into some form. Yeah, there was those two matches. There's also um, Austin Villa picking up that new manager bump. It still continues to roll on. They beat Brighton 2-1. Um, I'm not sure. I think there was a late winner in this game. No, it was actually a lot of early goals. But, yeah, nevertheless, uh, Unai Emery is doing a really good job over there at Austin Villa, as we see with all managers when they come into the Premier League. But, yeah, that's pretty much the Premier League wrapped up until December 25th. Uh, unless, any y'all got anything else to say? I'm going to ask you all real quick. Y'all think... David, I don't know if it's David Moyes or Moyes, however you pronounce it. Y'all think he's in the hot seat? I mean, they're sitting right now 16th place before the World Cup. I mean, these past two seasons, they've qualified for Europe, and right now they just they don't look good. So, I mean, I asked, I posed the question to you guys. Is he in the hot seat? Is he possibly the next manager to get sacked? I would say he's on the seat, but it's not hot yet. Mm, that makes sense. You think they're, like, eyeing him from far away? Pretty much, like I, I think he, you know, they're gonna take advantage of this break um, that's coming up for a lot of uh, their players because they didn't get a lot of World World Cup call-ups, right? I think it was only like Declan Rice, Bowen. Oh, Bowen no, didn't go. Fabianski. Yeah, Bowen didn't go. Uh, Fabianski, but Paqueta, obviously. Paqueta. Yeah, so only a couple. So I think they're gonna take advantage of that break and and basically. I think the board's going to say, okay, you know, we'll see where the rest of the season goes after this break because um, things can go up from there uh, or things can continue to, you know, go down. But he, the seat is there. He's on the seat. It's just not hot yet. Yep. I think uh, this might be putting him in too much pressure on one player's shoulders, but I truly do believe that the rest of their season uh, is going to depend a lot on Paqueta's uh, World Cup campaign and then how he returns to, if he replicates that form when he returns to the Premier League. Obviously, he hasn't hit the ground running in the Premier League since moving from Lyon, but he is a player that can turn it on and off in an instant and truly carry West Ham on his back if he chooses to and if he's fit and if he's in form. But there's a lot of variables there, and again, it's too much pressure for one player, but he is the one player that can turn it around in that squad, I believe. But yeah, we're yet, we just have to wait, wait and see. Right, so I guess that's enough of Premier League. Let's just get the Farmers Leagues out of the way. This is how it looks going into the World Cup break. PSG at top of the table and a whopping seven points ahead of second place Lens. Not much that went on this past weekend. <laughs> uh, PSG, they did thump a relegation candidate team 5-0. Um, so there's that, as they always do. 
the one good match that I was wanting to see this weekend and, you know, having an eye on was Monaco versus Marseille. And it did have a lot of eyes on it, but not for the right reasons. Uh, we talk about injuries a lot going into the World Cup, but there was another injury that went on this past weekend. Um, it was a young Moroccan international, Mini Herit, um, Moroccan international, 25 years old. Uh, he can play forward. He can play midfield. Uh, horrific challenge horrific injury we just wish out the best and send our best wishes and condolences to him and it, it truly sucks because in literally the mat, last match week before the world cup just gets this tremendous injury and he can't participate with morocco who is honestly one of the dark horse picks especially in the group stage that they got but yeah all the best to him and going looking at the bigger picture for league on uh, it's pretty much psg's league at this point we're almost halfway and all the teams that we decided or all the teams that we chose that can, you know, kind of hold up with them in the rest of the season, they're not doing so. Marseille is in fourth, Monaco's in sixth, Lyon is in eighth, Lille is in seventh, Nice is in ninth. So, yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say that it's PSG's league to lose. Yep. I mean, what else is new? All right, might as well knock the other one out. Bundesliga, this is how it looks going into the break. They, Bayern have retaken the first place position in the Bundesliga. They're four points ahead of second point Freiburg. Union Berlin, who was in first only a couple of weeks ago, they're all the way down in fifth. Leipzig in fourth, Frankfurt in, uh, excuse me, Leipzig's in third, Frankfurt in fourth. Dortmund in sixth, Mönchengladbach in eighth. Leverkusen in twelfth. Um, a bit all over the place, but similar to the Ligue 1, I think this is really... Bayern's league to lose at this point, especially given the results that they were this past weekend. You know, Mönchengladbach beat Dortmund 4-2. Union Berlin, they lost to Freiburg 4-1. And Leipzig had a scrape 8-1 victory over Werder Bremen. But Bayern, as they always do, pick up a 2-0-1 over Schalke. So, yeah, uh, similar to Ligue 1, it's theirs to lose. And they got a lot of internationals playing at the World Cup. We'll see how they return to form. All right, which one y'all want to go to next? City or La Liga? Let's talk about the more interesting ones now. Did we, did we talk about La Liga last week since they had a midweek match or no? I think we mentioned the first match, but that was about it. Yeah, because I feel like La Liga, I think we could just quickly pass uh, talk about that one because midweek match last week. But, yeah, I mean, Barca go um, two points clear and are two, are two points clear of Real Madrid now go with until December 31st they are the league leaders uh, I mean Real Madrid has not looked good these I think past three games they haven't looked good uh, it, was, they, it was even a tight one versus uh, Cadiz who I think is in last place at the moment but yeah I mean Barcelona so what a game that was huh <laughs> I mean <laughs> what a Le- send out send off for PK yeah I mean Lewandowski gets a red card early on I mean I thought the, I, I thought the game was over because of I mean, Osasuna got ahead real early off the corner, which I thought was a foul. I thought it was a clear foul. It was unfortunate that the refs didn't see it that way. And then, but you know, we fought back. And I feel like that's the mentality we need, that fighting back mentality. I feel like that's the mentality Real Madrid has and that always pushes them forward. I feel that we need that. But yeah, I mean, Pedri scored right after halftime. And then Rafinha with a last minute goal. It was a beautiful goal, beautiful pass by Frankie. But yeah, I mean, Lewandowski, I mean, the matches we have after the international break are going to be tough, and supposedly he's going to get is rumored to be a three to four match uh, suspension since he made a, gesh, a gesture that and that seemed to indicate that either the the ref was on drugs or that something smelled fishy, which either way is not good. So he's looking at a three to four game suspension, which hopefully doesn't cost us. But our games after the international break are 
tough ones, I think it would be Espanol, uh, Atletico Madrid, and I think the other two games were pretty tough in it themselves. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we go leaders and we yeah, see how we regroup after the World Cup. Hopefully, none of our players get injured, but you you just never know. But yeah, just happy to be going leaders into the World Cup. Yeah, that, I mean, we talk about the good form that Madrid and Barca are on, but going from Real Madrid to Atletico Madrid, they're in fifth place right now, and I think similar to, who was I saying in the Premier League, they needed this break, West Ham, I think. Uh, similar to them, this break couldn't come at a more fortunate time. I mean, they go into this international break with having drawn two weeks ago versus Espanol and then lost uh, midweek versus Mallorca, which is why they're fifth in the league. And then they got knocked out of the Copa del Rey in the first round to a team, I believe, in the third division. So it's just not looking good for Diego Simeone over there. So I think you mentioned how much pressure Diego Simeone should be facing, but he's really not, you know, with his mm-hmm. poor performances in the Champions League, and he rep- replicates that, le- that form in the league. I mean, fifth place, obviously there's a lot left to go, but it's not looking good. Yeah, I mean, the reason I said he should be facing pressure is because he's the world's highest-paid coach. I mean, I think he earns... I don't want to... I don't want to quote wrong but I've heard 30 million but I'm going to say here's a minimum of 10 million a season which I mean if you're earning that kind of money you're yeah you you need to be in a higher position in my opinion but that's my opinion I don't know how Atletico Madrid fans feel about him at the moment and then uh, you talk about the disappointing season Atletico's having not nearly as disappointing as Sevilla I mean I know I definitely pepped them to get like at least fourth place at least finish in the Champions League positions but they're all the way down in 18th. That's relegation zone. And I know a lot of it has to do with the previous manager and Lopetegui, um, which, who's the new coach? Sampaoli. Sampaoli, yeah. He uh, definitely inherited a broken squad and a huge hole to try and dig out of. But, I mean, not going good so far. I mean, currently in 18th, yet to win one in their last five. Hopefully they can turn things around after the break. But, you know, there's a lot of football left to play. And... Uh, they have a good record with Sampaoli at the helm, so we'll see if that comes into play at all. On to what we like to call the most entertaining and, uh, I guess, tightly contested league in Europe, which is Serie A. Not looking like it because Napoli is slowly but surely running away with the league. I mean, 41 points. That's, if I do my math right here, eight points ahead of second place AC Milan. Good to see Juventus slowly climbing back up to the table. I think you mentioned that last week. So how we need to look out for them. They've won their last three games. No, last five. So good for them, man. Finally looking like the Juventus of old. Uh, Lazio in fourth. Inter in fifth. Atalanta in sixth. Roma in seventh. So yeah, there's some interesting matches this past week. Obviously, Juventus picked up a 3-0 win over Lazio. Milan, 2-1 win over Fiorentina. And Napoli, 3-2 over Udinese, I believe. Chucky assisted in that game, so that's good to see him going into the World Cup on good form. But, yeah, Inter, after Atalanta last last week to Napoli, they suffer another defeat at the hands of Inter. So, Serie A, although the championship is, you know, kind of running, being, kind of being solidified, you know, second through, I would say fourth, really, or fifth or sixth, they're really up in the air. So that's one race to look out for. Yeah, I mean, I read a stat that said... um Pretty much every team that's been ahead by eight points at this stage ends up winning the uh, the Serie A. So, I mean, I don't want to say it's Napoli's at the moment, but it is. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Juventus. I just want to quickly say they, they're they kind of like Barca when it comes to uh, the Champions League and the league, you know. I mean, Juventus is a little less so, but Juventus, they got the best, best defensive record in Serie A. 
Uh, I mean, Barca does as well. And, you know, they're just, I think, I think it's been eight games without defeat for Juventus in the league. So, yeah, I mean, it looks like they're on their way up. Um, whether they can finish or even challenge Napoli, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, Aldo, you got anything? No, man, it's just um, Napoli's just in really, really good form. <laughs> Nothing much to add. Um, hopefully they continue. We'll see what the World Cup break does to them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still hoping for Milan. <laughs> you know, they're not that – I mean, sure, they're eight points behind, but they just got to get the business done. You know, but nothing much to add. It's still very tight, like Chris said, between, you know, the other places that from two to four. Yeah. Before we move on to the World Cup talk, which I know is every, what we're going to talk about next and we all want to talk about, I just want to quickly ask you guys, who has surprised – who is more surprising – um, Arsenal top of the league or Napoli top of the league at the moment? For me, I gotta go Napoli. I mean, at the beginning of the season, I didn't even—I don't even think I predicted them to be in top four. You know, they had that terrible season last season, and then losing players like Kudabali, Insigne, Martins, and all these veteran players over the summer, and not really replacing them. I think we all picked them to have a you know somewhat terrible season, but man, were we proven wrong? And man, has the recruiting squad or recruiting scouts in Naples been doing a good job? You know, they like finding. Diamonds like uh, Kravetskelia and that one Japanese center back they brought in to replace Kudabali. His name escapes me right now, but Kimminja or something. Jay, I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah, properly. All of them are performing out of their boots, and even players like Politano and Lozano, who didn't have good seasons last season, they're really picking it up as as they go. So, yeah, for me, it's Napoli. I kind of expected Arsenal to finish at least top four, but I did not expect Napoli to finish in the top four. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Chris there. I mean, Napoli was definitely not in my radar this season. Um, I thought they were going to, you know, drop out of Europe, and they did really, really well. Um, but, yeah, the recruitment has been amazing, but the way they're playing with the new recruits is amazing as well. So, for me, it's just Napoli. Because we know that Arsenal has had this project for a while. It's not that surprising. But for Napoli to do it, you know, from one season – losing all your stars to this season like Chris said with all the recruitment the way they're playing the way they're playing it in the league in Europe yeah Napoli for sure is the most surprising yeah I, w- I was uh, I was struggling with this one bit the more I thought about it I think I agree with Napoli as well because Arsenal especially how they finished last season everyone was just that like their minimum getting top four this season but I think with Napoli what's why, why I chose them a bit more is because they're also had eight points I mean even if someone had predicted Napoli to win, I don't think they would have, have, have imagined them like eight points ahead at this uh, part of the season before going into the World Cup break. So, yeah, that's why I, I, I agree with Napoli. I think Napoli. Yeah, I mean, now uh, I know we're going to the World Cup, so uh, I'll, I'll let Christian take it away. Yeah, dude, this is the main event. I've been wanting to talk about this. Honestly, ever since we started uh, our, our podcast, you know, this was a big topic, international football, especially for us here in the states you know with mexico and usa has been a very predominant subject for us so i'm just excited to see it all culminate at the world cup so yeah man i'm super excited let's just get straight into it we talked about brazil squad last last week and how some players were snubbed and how some deserve didn't deserve to go but let's kind of start our conversation with that so we don't have to go squad by squad but has there been any squads that have been released that you guys have been shocked either by inclusions or snubs let's just start the conversation with that 
Um, I want to say um, England. England is a very good squad to talk, uh, kick it off with, yeah. Yeah, England. I think um, I need to pull up their, their call up uh, real quick. But I think um, I think Tony, especially the form he's in, I think to take Callum Wilson over Ivan Tony, who's um, not only injury prone, but also I wouldn't say in a better form than um, what's his name? Then I then Ivan Tony. Oh. I think to take him instead of him is kind of. I, I don't agree with the decision. I could see where he comes from, but I just feel like everyone was just like I like the Callum Winslow is going to end up um, getting injured. And but someone else did bring up a solid point. They're like they're like we're really here arguing about who's going to sit on the bench while Harry Kane plays. And I was like, oh, that doesn't make sense. No one's going to be benching Harry Kane. But um, I think goalies too. <laughs> Uh, surprised me. I expect. Oh, am I looking at the wrong one? I think I pulled the wrong one. Let me see. But, uh, those a couple. I think um, the inclusion of Connor Cody and Harry Maguire. I mean, Harry Maguire. I knew he was going to be called up, but I still. I want to say held that hope, but I still was kind of hope. I, I guess best word would be hoping that Maguire wouldn't be called up. Um, Connor Cody, I don't think he should be there over Tamari. That's just disgraceful, in my opinion. Straight up robbery. Yeah. And then Tamari's definitely been called up. Yeah, and then um, the only other thing I was going to mention is the fact that he called out Kyle Walker and Calvin Phillips. Calvin Phillips, I mean, it's kind of the same situation Roland Jimenez is in. You know, a player has been injured, hasn't played for months, and he's not going to be in form when he does come back for England, if he even comes back and plays, but... Yeah, that was just surprising. Take Calvin Phillips, I think. Um, I forgot who, who I was thinking about. But there was someone else I was like, he deserved. I think Ward Prowse would have been better instead of Phillips. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, just Calvin Phillips getting coming back from injury. I just don't, I don't see the sense behind that. But, yeah, I said Walker and Phillips because they're both injured, and it just makes no sense. I mean, that he's willing to wait for them, but someone like Reese James or something like that, he was just like, yeah, no. I mean. Reese James, bro, how did he not go to work? I mean, he's, I mean, he's injured. Yeah, he's injured. But I'm saying, if he was willing to wait on Walker and and Phillips, I'm just like, bro. I mean, you might as well take Reese James, who I think is at the moment that's England's best right back. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, because yeah, I mean, yeah, he's injured, but he he was one of the doubtfuls, right? That he might go, he, like. He, no, I think, I think he was solidified. I think if the fact that he's entered is really the only reason why Alexander Arnold's in there. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think he was solidified. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, heard he, yeah. I, I heard he was a doubtful one. No. Mostly I think because he, injury, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be his injuries. But it's just like, dude, if you're taking Walker and Phillips, you might as well take Reese James, who I think. But, yeah, the other thing I do commend him for is James Madison. He called up oh, James yeah. Madison. Tremendous form he's been in. I think it's well-deserved by James Madison. So, Dude, James Madison had yeah. an injury scare this no. past weekend. If I'm being honest, I think a lot of players this past season, this past weekend, just like Fell faked, down, yeah. fake <laughs> minor injuries might have been like, oh, it's a really bad cramp. Um, I, of course, it's bad to accuse them of that. But I just, I think a lot of players just went down easily this weekend. Like, all right, I got my spot secured. I'm not risking, I'm not risking it. But yeah, th- those were my surprises. I can't, can't exactly think of who should have been called up instead of them, but. Yeah, I mean, you guys want to add on? Go ahead. I mean, one player that I am kind of disappointed to make the squad is Tammy Abraham. Don't get me wrong, and you're completely right, So, well, the argument for who's going to sit on the bench uh, to bench warm Kane is pretty much a good argument, but 
No, I mean, I have a really good friend, Graham, that I work at the athletics department with. Shout out, Graham, if you're listening. But we had a good conversation about this. I mean, Kane, Ivan Tony, and Tammy Abraham, they're all kind of the same player. But if you really do want something different, if it's, you know, 70th minute and you're losing the game or you're drawn 1-1 and you need a goal, you bring on Callum Wilson. He just brings a totally different dynamic versus what Kane can give you, what Abraham can give you. He's more mobile. He's more quicker. But I don't know. I still would have, you know, taken either tony or abraham in my opinion but I, I do see that argument and i'm not you know saying that wilson deserves to be there but i would have much rather preferred to see one of those two i would have i would have liked to take tony just because of his work rate on and off the ball you know he 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 fights for every ball there and that's kind of what you want especially in a short tournament like that you know every ball counts every set piece counts every you know Every time you lose the ball, tracking back counts. Everything counts in a short term like that. You want to have a player that can do that uh, and make an impact. All right. Uh, let's move on to another roster. I want to talk about the USA, but I think later on we can save that for Mexico because, oof, that the man. Before we get to that, before I get too heated, I want to talk about a few other inclusions. Uh, Germany one for, is one for me that I don't think had a lot of snubs. I think it's still a strong squad, but the only point I want to make on this squad is and I want to ask you guys this question too. Um, if Timo Werner was not injured, do you guys truly think that Yusuf Makoko gets in there over Werner? Yes, I think if... No, no, no. I feel Werner was not injured. I think that other striker, Nicholas Folkrug, Folkrug, I don't know how to pronounce it. He plays for Werther Bremen, right? I don't think he goes. I think Makoko would have gone regardless. That's what I think. I think... Because once Werner went down, I saw a little, little people saying like, oh, Nicholas folk i don't know how to pronounce it full krug i don't want to butcher it anymore but i saw a lot of people were like well that guy's gonna be our starting forward now after Werner got injured but yeah Werner's not injured i don't think that guy goes and i think mukoko still goes marco royce man how do y'all feel about that i know he's your second favorite player soul you sad yeah. to see him not in the squad yeah bro i mean i always feel so sad for royce dude he's always it seems like he's one of the most unlucky players in the world i mean he got injured unfortunately misses out on the world cup but i mean yeah it's sad man but at the same time i understand the coach's position but yeah i did would have loved to see marco royce there one player we are seeing are seeing who have, we haven't seen in a while is mario gotze i mean i think it's a good story he i think he definitely shined a lot brighter in psv last season than he's shining for Eintracht frankfurt this season but it's still a young season and I'm just happy to see a man that produced a World Cup winning goal in the final um, get included into the squad where he won, basically won them the World Cup a few years ago. So good for him and excited to see him back in international football. Most definitely, man. I, you know, Mario Gotze was definitely one of, is definitely one of my favorite players. You know, just the way he played at, at Dortmund. Man, that guy was a wizard with the ball. Not going to lie. Um but yeah, it's good to see him back in international, and hopefully he produces magic again. You know. Yeah, the thing about Mario Gotz, I want to say is that from comments I see, no one, no one's saying like he didn't deserve it or nothing. A lot of people, I guess, since people stopped keeping up with him, they're more surprised he's included. But no one's like, oh, he doesn't deserve it. Like you ask Frankfurt fans, they're just like, he, he like he hasn't been like a tremendous season, but they're like, it's not a surprising call up. Like he's been playing good enough to be called up. But yeah, I mean, damn. 
Let's go. Let's go to the other Portuguese-speaking country. (laughs) Portugal. (laughs) I mean, we talked about you know Cristiano Ronaldo earlier. Cristiano, Cristiano, damn it! I show speed. Do (laughs) we? We talked about him earlier. Someone as well. Just you know, get Portugal out of the way. The only one that I've heard you know out and about is Renato Sanchez. I can see the argument, but honestly, I think he solidified his his place when he moved to PSG in the summer. I mean, you go to a stacked midfield with uh, Verratti and Vitinha and Danilo Pereira, you're, you know you're not going to get that many minutes, and he hasn't gotten that many minutes. And even when he has, you know, he's been impressive in points, but not anything to warrant a start over, honestly, what is a very good midfield for Portugal. So I think uh, they got it pretty spot on. Yeah, I mean... The only thing I would criticize about Portugal is their coach. I don't know <laughs> yeah. how he's still in charge. That guy is trash. For the how good of players he has in the off uh, forwards and midfielders, he plays such defensive football there. I would even no, I wouldn't even dare. I'd I'd say he go. He plays um some terrorism football. <laughs> it's just awful. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean I can't really think of anyone that I'm just like oh man. How did they miss out? I think solid squad. Um, I would back them to win, to go further if it wasn't for the coach. But given it's their coach, I don't back them that far. I say make it out of group stage and be disappointed, and that's it. Yep. So yeah, you gotta stop playing so defensive with the arsenal they have. Yeah, man. Oh, Uruguay, bro. I was really surprised by the inclusion of one player on this roster. Big Ron. I have no idea. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see Ron Araujo play in a World Cup, but this is very selfish on my part. If it becomes any detriment to Barcelona and how he can recover his form for Barcelona and La Liga for the rest of the season, I don't know how I feel about it. So (laughs) glad to see him go and play in his first World Cup. But yeah, I mean, I hope it doesn't hinder his performances for Barca. I mean, from what I read, supposedly they have an agreement with Barca that I guess... He's not going to play during the group stage at all. If they reach the knockouts, he would play. But, um, yeah, they have. I, I think their fitness coach came out today saying they wouldn't risk him, that they have an agreement with Barca that pretty much they will not play him. Yeah, look, uh, he says we will not take any risk with Araujo, whether he plays in the World Cup or not. Um, that's the coach's decision. That's his and the coach's decision. He says we have to follow parameters that we agreed with the club. So, from what I heard, those parameters are if he feels good and they reach the knockout phases, then he'll play. Otherwise, no. But supposedly, from reports today, he's on the final stretch of his recovery. So, I mean, he was supposed to be out three months and looks like a month and a half. I do worry, like you said, because, I mean, three months to, say, a month and a half, two months does seem a bit quick, but who knows. I think he's also one of those players that kind of have been – stagnating the progress of their recovery you know like memphis Depay, for example i just think they wanted to make sure that they recovered in time for the world cup not necessarily you know to come back for club football and then risk injury again right before the world cup and surely miss out on the tournament but well i mean without alho said he was going to be out for three months so that's why i'm a bit surprised seeing him two months like you said i am worried even i mean we do have kunda and christensen back so well, you know i am happy about that but you know, Araujo, I think it just offers something under those others too. But yeah. yeah, I mean, we all know how it goes at World Cups when players force their way back into the squad too early. I mean, we saw Mo Salah in the 2018 World Cup. And Umtiti in 2018. Who? Umtiti. Oh. <laughs> oh I, I, yeah, I call them Umtiti, but it's Umtiti, my bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Netherlands. This is another squad that had a lot of snubs. I mean, Botman, 
um, Graben Birch and Sellerson, I think, are the three biggest ones that I can name off the top of my head. In the three I, I would ones. say Danjuma. I mean, he hasn't been in as good a form this season, but Danjuma, last season, if you would have asked any Netherlands fan, they would have been like, yeah, he's definitely going. I mean, this season he's dropped off a bit. But, uh, Van de Beek, too, which I understand why he's not there. There was another midfielder, too, that they were saying was snubbed. But, I mean, still a solid, oh, solid squad. Dude, Xavi Simmons and uh, Gakpo, uh, the form they're on, oh, man, they're going to be an exciting team to watch. But, yeah, Sillison brought it upon himself because supposedly was, they wanted him to be a penalty specialist and they were, like, making him, like, participate in these penalty drills, and he said no. So, Van, Van Howell after Gravenberch. that. Gravenberch? Oh, yeah, Gravenberch. I mean, I, I, a lot of people say he's a snob, but at the same time, he hasn't been playing at all. I mean, how yeah. can you say he's a snob when... I mean, it's his, it's his own fault. He wanted to leave Ajax, and, you know, um, I wouldn't say Byron sold him a dream, but, uh, I mean, I can't, I can't, um, what's the word? I can't, I can't bring him down either, because, you know, he was, bit, at the same time, it's like, did he really think he was going to go and bench a midfield of Kimmich and Goretzka, and who else is there? There's got Sabitzer, and there's some other tremendous players they have on the bench, too, that he really think... He would crack into it. I mean, dude, I mean, he, he it's kind of his own fault. But, yeah, I mean, that's just disappointing to see, I think. Yeah, it's just disappointing to see because uh, Grant Birch looked like the promising player. And I think, I wouldn't say stagnated at Byron, but he just got in very little opportunities to show his class. So, yeah, but I wouldn't say he was snubbed. He just had been benched, unfortunately. Yeah, very similar to the Renato Sanchez situation where he went to a club in the summer knowing that he wouldn't get many minutes and it could prevent him from making the world cup and it did just that and now that it happened you know everyone's freaking out about it but it could have been preventable but netherlands I, there was another squad that had a couple players it wasn't argentina argentina i think is one of the few squads that got it spot on the ones that aren't there that should deserve to france? be there are injured france maybe uh i feel like france was decent i mean we all know the injuries they have to like like so pogba and Conte, and i think they have done well to replace them i think it is i think one of the weakest squads we've seen in a while I want to say weakest. I think their midfield just doesn't yeah. scare anyone. I, I was also surprised Fairline Mendy it was not included in that cup, in that World Cup, in that call up. I'm not surprised, honestly. Teo Hernandez, Lucas Hernandez, who can play left back, I think they're much suitable players. Um, Spain, I think this is the only one I really want to talk about before we get to the U.S. and Mexico because we're going to spend some good time on that. But I mean, some um, worthy inclusions, or some, excuse me, some worthy exclusions. David De Gea obviously rings to mind. Uh, in the defense, Sergio Ramos misses out. And this would have been his fifth World Cup, right? Or fourth? I think it would have been his fourth or fifth, I'm not sure. He misses out. Uh, Thiago Alcantara. Those are the top three that, you know, spring to mind off, off the top of my dome. But either way, you know, you can argue all three of them weren't on good form. So I don't really blame um, Luis Enrique for not bringing them. But... Nevertheless, Spain. I've honestly, I was telling you earlier, so if they had a prolific striker, this would be my favorite to win the World Cup. Yeah, I think we also mentioned earlier, Ansu Fati got included. And I think we were all—I wouldn't say shocked, but I would say we all were um, did not expect him to get included. So we were all a bit surprised. One player I did feel bad for was Bailey. I thought, I mean, selfishly, I'm happy because that means he won't get injured. Hopefully. But at the same time, it's like he had been in tremendous form. He had been showing he could play both right back and left back. So I kind of expected him to go. But at the same time, he's barely, I think, 18. So next World Cup, he'll still only be 23. And he'll probably, that left side will probably be his for a long time. So 
Yeah, I can't really say he was snubbed either. But yeah, f- um, back to France. Yeah, I think France had their first, well, not first, but first, uh, I, I say technically first injury for the World Cup. Um, Kimpembe was dropped from the squad by injury, and they called up Axel the the Saucy, the Saucy, the CC, something like that. But center back from Monaco. But yeah, Kimpembe will miss out with injury. So. Yeah, man. Uh, going back to Spain. Um, well, first off, with France, Varanga called up, so we'll see how he does there if he plays, because um, he's still be coming back from his injury. And for Spain, I really, I think not taking De Gea is gonna bite them, um, just because De Gea has been outrageous um, these last couple of match weeks. You know, going into peak form, um, he made a bunch of saves for United against Fulham against Fulham and they were great saves so I think that's going to bite them yeah I agree man um, Saul got up and went to the bathroom but we can still carry on let's just kick off with the USA because I think all of us have a lot to say about Mexico squad and we're going to spend a good amount of time on that but USA I mean Chris claims he's a USA fan but doesn't really know the players I think you and I although honestly have the best in- information or What's the word? I guess knowledge of the squad. So let's just have a little bit of a conversation here. Starting off with the goalkeeper, I was telling Saul earlier, I do think that it's a bit blasphemous how um, Zach Steffen did not make the squad. I think he easily gets in over Sean Johnson, not just for the level of where they're playing or the consistency, but for the experience. Because Steffen, as we know, he's played at Man City, trained with some of the best players in the world, trained with the best coach in the world. And the fact that he didn't make the squad for me is just ridiculous. Defense, the only really player that I had a grievance with was Sam Vines at left back, but found out he was injured. That's why he's not included. Completely agree with that. But Aaron Long, very questionable. Shaq Moore, very questionable. I just don't think that those two should be there. Midfielders, I think they got it pretty spot on. Some will argue that there is this midfielder from Rangers. His name escapes me. I think it's Tillman, who should be included, but he's not there, which, I mean, it's not the biggest deal in the world. But forwards... This is where I really have a gripe with uh, the fact that, where is he? Haji Wright for Schalke is in the squad over the likes of Ricardo Pepe and Jordan Pifak, who are on really good form right now for their clubs, is what gets under my skin the most, but that's just where I stand. I'm interested to see if you guys have any opinion, if at all. Um, I think I think you said it, uh, Ricardo Pepe. I was really surprised by um, him not being included. Uh, I heard it was in, he was out through injury, but then um, this, just yesterday he scored for um, his cl- the club he's on loan at FC Groningen. I understand Eredivisie is not exactly considered uh, a top league, but I still think it's so superior to the MLS. So for him not to be included, I think was for me that was the big surprise because I just counted him in. I was just like, yeah, he'll be there. But um, the other ones, uh, I agree with you, Tillman. I could see him being a snub, but at the same time, I heard that he started the season strong, but it had fallen off a bit, so I understand that one. But, yeah, Zach Steffen, I think, should have been there over Sean Johnson. Um, uh, I just don't see. I mean, Matt Turner is going to probably be the number one. Ethan Horvath, I expected, but Sean Johnson, I, I thought Zach Steffen should easily be there over him. But, but, yeah, I mean, that's about all I got to add. Yeah, honestly, some inclusions that are really not sitting well with U.S. fans are, you know, the classic Burhalter players, which is, in this case, Christian Roldan and Jordan Morris. 
Seattle Sounders did not have a good season at, by any means in the MLS this past season. It's the first season they've ever not qualified for the playoffs. And the fact that these two are included is in and of itself mind-boggling. But overall, I think it's a strong squad. And, you know, you talk about this generational talent that the U.S. has. All the players that are sometimes injured or have never really played together in one cycle, they're all there. You know, all the seven, six or eight players that truly are going to carry this generation for years and years to come are there. So it is the first time we're all going to see them collectively in an in, in international break and in the same camp. And that in, that in and of itself is exciting. We can pick all these other inclusions like Tillman or PFOC or Pepe, but the true stars of the show are there. So I truly do believe that the U.S. can make an impact, you know, uh, at the World Cup. Yeah, I think uh, another one that, that I saw... Isn't this the youngest U.S. World Cup squad ever? Not just ever, but also the youngest squad at this World Cup. I mean, the... At this World Cup too, right? Yeah, the only player that... The average is, is I think, 23-24, and they only have one player over the age of 31 or 32, which is Tim Ream, who a lot of people were pissed at that was there, but honestly, he plays really well for Fulham. He's a competent Premier League defender, and I'm kind of glad he's there. Brings a bit of experience as well. And the only player that is in the cycle that was in the last cycle where they didn't qualify and crashed out in Trinidad is DeAndre Yedlin. Question marks over him, but, you know, he, he can do a very serviceable job at right back as well. Yeah, the other one I saw a lot of U.S. fans complain about was Aaron Long. I saw people were really upset about that. People were pissed. They're like, he should be nowhere near the squad. But I wouldn't say there's a golden generation. I would, I mean, at the moment it is, but I feel like U.S. is doing such a good job in developing and exporting talent that this will probably... That they'll probably be, be get better in years to come, but I would back them this year further if it wasn't for the coach. I have no faith in Greg Burhalter. I mean, you go back to past podcasts. I've always said the U.S. at the moment is a much better team than Mexico, and if they had a if they had a competent coach, uh, I think they could go further. I think they could be a I wouldn't say com- win the World Cup, but I would say they could be con- consistently competing with these. Uh, European teams give them a good fight, but um, yeah, if, if they had someone besides Greg Berhalter, I would back them. But at this point, I, I I don't believe in them. If I'm being honest. All right, should we go to their uh, border rivals? Yeah, Tata. All right, guys. So it's a good way to segue to Mexico from the U.S. because I was telling Saul earlier how I think this is the most Liga MX influence I've ever seen on a Mexican squad for the World Cup, and then it completely. Um, differentiates from the U.S. squad where it's the most European uh, talent I've ever seen in a World Cup squad. But Mexico, man, this this genuinely pisses me off. I, I think our average age is also like 30 years old. I think we have, no, it's 27 years old. I think it's, it's one of the oldest squads in the world. I think it is the oldest squad maybe in the World Cup, which is... I just want to say, whoever picked this squad, your mom's a hoe. No, 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 dude. As we say, chinga tu madre, tata. Dude, for real. <laughs> but no, dude, I mean, let's start off with the goalkeepers. Uh, I was telling Saul earlier, I have no um, strong feelings one way or the other for Cotan Talavera. But honestly, the fact that you don't include Acevedo in this squad, not just Bro. so he can play, but truly build for the 2026 World Cup because he is the youngest goalkeeper that can start and truly get experience under his belt. Just take him for the experience. He's not going to play. He's not going to start. But you just take him to get him implemented into the squad. That's what my biggest grievance is. Tata has no vision for the future whatsoever. Yeah, I think um, I think it's pretty much well noted. 
that after this World Cup, he's gone regardless. I mean, unless he wins the World Cup, I don't think Mexico will be begging him. There's been strong rumors saying regardless of what happens, Tata's gone after this game, and so was uh, Yon de Luisa, who I think is the president of the Mexican Federation. But, yeah, it's just I – think, I think that's why he's just looking short-term. He's just like, these players are the ones I've had in the process and I trust. So, yeah, but I agree with you. Acevedo should be there over Cota. Y'all laughed at me when I had Acevedo in my World Eleven. I'm still laughing. Look at you. Look, look at you now, crying because he's not in the Mexico squad. I told you, man. I mean, this kid. Bro, we're not. We're not saying he should start. We're just saying he should go get experience, <laughs> bro. Either, but y'all are still crying about it. But to be honest, that kid is. I mean, special, dude, we're man. crying about the whole squad. If we're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> but still, man. I mean, that you know, that kid is special. He's only. 26. 26 now. Um, so very young for a goalkeeper. And just the way he, you know, he protects the goal is outstanding. Um, I do think that he should leave Mexico, though. He should go to a club in Europe, um, regardless of how this World Cup goes, um, because he has the talent. But he should have gone. He should have gone over these other two keepers, honestly. And I hate Tata for not taking him at all. Yeah, dude, that senile man. I mean, oof. Yeah, dude, I mean, we could go on a rant for him for like an hour or two if we if we wanted to, but we won't. Yeah, let's move on to the defense. Honestly, this is the one part of the squad that I really have no grievance with. It's not the most exciting defense, but for what we have at the moment, it's pretty good. This is where most of our European players come from, whether it's um, Vasquez or... Uh, Alvarez, I was going to say Alvarez. He can play midfield and defense, but Jorge Sanchez, uh, Carl, uh, what's his name? The left back, Arteaga. I mean, really, for me, there's no snubs. Uh, some players are promising that's still playing Liga Mekis, like Cesar Montes, like uh, Kevin Alvarez. No, not Kevin Alvarez. Who's the one I'm thinking about? Gallardo. Araujo. No, never mind. It's a midfielder. I, I, I retract that statement. But yeah, Gallardo... Don't wish he was there, but I mean, he pretty much sealed his faith when he scored in that friendly versus Iraq. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only here, as you said, there's not really any real snubs, but I would have preferred to see someone like Israel Reyes, who's young, who has been doing solid these past couple of tournaments in Liga Mekis. I would have preferred to see him over there, over Araujo or Hector Moreno. But we know that's not going to happen. I would have also liked to see. Omar Campos over Gallardo. Really, anyone over Gallardo, if I'm being honest, that guy's trash. I mean, I don't like him at all. I think he's, he, he's. I mean, he's a left midfielder con- converted left back, but I don't like him at all. I don't. I, I just don't see what Tata sees in him, but hopefully he's benched the whole time in his Artiaga. But, yeah, as you said, no snubs. I think I would have liked Israel Reyes, as I said, over Araujo or Moreno. And, yeah, another left back instead of Gallardo, but... No, can't really complain about this part of the squad. I think he took um, the best of the best, or what he thought was the best of the best. Just not much. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> All right, midfielders and forwards. This is where the biggest grievances come from. If you guys follow us on Twitter, uh, then you saw our tweet in the morning. But these were the two biggest snubs came from. The fact that you don't take Santiago Jimenez, who's the joint top goal scorer in the Europa League at the moment. Wait, or D- we're talking about midfield here. Yeah. Um, Jenny forwards. <laughs> Well, I figured we just go through them all at once. All right. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Diego Linus, who has proven time and time, especially under Tata, to make an impact off the bench, come off the bench and make an impact or make a goal when you need him. It's just the fact that those two players aren't in the squad is what truly 
gets under my skin. I mean, the fact that uh, El Tio Calavarado, Uriel Antuna, getting the squad over Diego Linus is just maddening. And Saul, you and I were talking about earlier how we truly do feel like if Jimenez wasn't truly fit, he would honestly sit the squad out. But I don't know. Uh, we all know how we feel about Funes Muerto or Funes Mori as he's actually known. And yeah, I just, I don't want to say too much because I'll get a headache. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, midfield, I mean, if we're being, the only real snub that I've heard is Eric Sanchez, midfielder of Pachuca. He was, he was the best Mexican midfielder in La Liga Mekis these past few tournament. But, I mean, I think this also speaks of how bad the Federation is doing. I mean, everyone's complaining about Charlie Rodriguez. Um, who else? It was Charlie Rodriguez, Hector Herrera. Luis Romo. Luis Romo, all these players, or they like to call him Luis Umo. They, uh, I mean, if we're being honest, if we're looking at the alternatives, they're not much better. I mean, there's Eric Sanchez, who could take one of their positions, but then alternatives if there's not much better at the same time because i started thinking about it today because i was pissed and i was like well who would take a spot and then i was like well there's this guy but then i was like bit i was like that's about it i mean you could argue victor guzman but Tatara, he's been in good form but Tata's always like i don't take players based on form so we knew he wasn't going to get called up but yeah it's just because of how bad la mexico is doing to develop and export players which is sad because i feel by when the 2026 World Cup comes, we're going to try to drag some of these guys out of retirement to come play with us. Dude, that's what I was trying to tell you earlier. I mean, USA, they're obviously not building for this World Cup. They're more focused on 2026. Why aren't we doing the same thing? Why aren't we taking players that are going to play in the 2026 World Cup to get their experience now? Players like uh, we mentioned Acevedo, Diego Lainez. I would even argue Marcelo Flores, who should be in the squad just for the sole experience, experience and get those minutes under his belt now and in preparation for the 2026 World Cup. But no, we're taking players that are damn near retirement and players that are not on good form. But, man, does this get under my skin. Yeah, man. But, I mean, as I said, we look at the alternatives. There's not much better to offer. I mean, um, Santi Jimenez and Diego Linus were the two biggest exclusions. But even then, if we took Linus, we would have still been taking either uh, Piojo Alvarado or Antuna. And if we took Santi, it was going to either be... Funes Mori or Henry Martin that were dropped. So, I mean, and then if you look beyond that, after Santi Jimenez, dude, we don't really have any other forward that stands out, which is sad. I mean, everyone's here hoping JJ Macias gets back into form and becomes a, a great player. But if he doesn't, I mean, it's pretty much we're going to be sold dependent on Santi Jimenez for the next couple of years unless some other Mexican player bursts onto the scene. But, yeah, Linus, I agree. He should have been there over Pio Alvarado. That guy's just trash. I mean, I... I don't know what they see in him. He's garbage. Like, Jesus, like, he's dog shit. I can't, there's just a bunch of words I could call him, but he's not good. I really don't see you. Antuna, I understand because he saved Tata's ass a couple times in the qualifiers, but yeah, it's just disappointing. I mean, you mentioned it because uh, people today were mad when they saw Funes Mori and Jimenez. Uh, I got over something, and his people were like, well, everyone's getting mad at Funes Mori. What about Jimenez? And I mean, Everyone and their mother knew that unless Raul Jimenez was injured, he was going to go to the World Cup. And then that, that third star, strike strike position would come down between Funes Mori and Santi Jimenez. And he chose Funes, Funes Mori, who's coming back from injury, hasn't been in good form. So I just, I don't understand. I think, I don't want to get conspiracy theorists, but I do think part of the deal for him to get uh, naturalizado to a Mexican was that he would uh, be called up to the World Cup, which... Sucks, because Santi Menes really deserved that spot over him. He does. 
bit. Most most definitely, bro. I mean, you're telling me you're gonna you're gonna take a striker that hasn't played in a while, that hasn't even scored in the domestic league over an up and coming striker that's scored not just in the league, but also in European competition against different European, you know, style football. Yeah, man. Top scorers I mean, of the Europa on. League. Bro, you know it's bad when I miss the days of Juan Carlos Osorio, man, and I hated that guy. I cannot stand that guy. Bro, I, mean, yeah, I prefer I th- him over Tata, honestly. Yeah, I think you said it all, though. There's a lot of Mexicans that still think Liga Mekis is a better league than any European league, which in some cases, yes, but uh, I think it was Pio Herrera. It was delusional. He said, he said going to Monterrey or Tigres is better, is the equivalent of going to a big club in Europe, which... I think it's just one of the stupidest quotes I've ever heard. But it's it's the equivalent when you're coming from somewhere that's not Mexico. Yeah, bro. All right. If you're if you're a player from let's say Costa Rica or Nicaragua or, or somewhere in South America, Argentina, coming to the Liga Mexicana to Monterrey, yes, that's the equivalent. But if you're a Mexican player just going from Chivas to Monterrey, that is not. That is just pure mediocreness and it's sad yeah and we, and the, like, we need to have too. we need to have more players like Santi Jimenez like Chucky Lozano like Chicharito that took the leap of faith to go to Europe yeah yeah I mean we need to have those players I mean Tata I think earlier in the season was talking about how more players needed to take the risk and go to Europe and then two players that I mean Diego Linus was already over there but he, you know he took a risk moving clubs and Santi Jimenez took the risk going to Europe and how does Tata reward them by leaving them at home, which sucks. I mean, I told Christian this earlier, but there was a rumor that said that supposedly um, Jimenez is not going to be on test. And that I think they play Sweden tomorrow or some other. They play Sweden one of these days before the World Cup. And they said that if Jimenez did not look good or didn't perform how Tata wanted him to, um, that he would be dropped and Santi Jimenez would be taken. So, I mean, I don't want to wish bad on Raul Jimenez, but I really I really think Santi Jimenez deserves this shot, and I really hope um, Jimenez doesn't perform and gets dropped. I know I know it's awful to say, but I'm just hoping. I, I don't think Raul is in good form. He's been out for two months, hasn't played a club game, and I, I would prefer to see Santi over him. It's not it's nothing personal against him, but I just prefer Santi over him at the moment. I don't know if you guys saw that interview with Tata, but he was pretty much justifying why Santi Jimenez doesn't even deserve to be in the squad. He was saying that Although he scores a lot of goals, he doesn't get very minutes. There are very few and far in between. But I think that's a stupid argument because, honestly, if you evaluate his goals per minutes ratio, he's scoring like every 20 minutes, every 10 minutes. It's just ridiculous. How do you not take a player on that form? And even further beyond that, okay, he's not playing that many minutes. You're down 1-0. You're tied 1-1. You need to go late on. Bring on Santi Jimenez. Take out Raul Jimenez or Henry Martin, whoever you start. And he's going to... 99% guaranteed to get you a goal. I just don't see that logic. Yeah, man. Uh, dude, I don't know. I, I want to think he's sabotaging us, but I, at the same time, dude, I don't know, dude. Some of... I don't know, dude. That guy, I just... I really do hope this is his last tournament. I've heard he's gone after this tournament regardless, and I really hope that's true. All right, so... Enough bashing. This is the real question. How do you guys think Mexico fares in Group C with Argentina, Saudi Arabia, and Poland? They kick off versus Poland on the 22nd, then they face Argentina, and then they close out the group stage with Saudi Arabia. Me, personally, I think that opening game versus Poland will dictate the entire group stage for us. If we win, 
then we have a really good shot of making it out of the group. But if we don't, then I truly think we'll just be knocked out on the group stage. Yeah, I mean, I've said it in the past. I think um, the only team I can see, I, I could say us, I can confidently say that we'll beat them in Saudi Arabia. I mean, Poland people, like, oh, they don't have a lot of players and stuff, but Lewandowski's dangerous. I mean, we're Barca fans. We've seen it firsthand. He's dangerous. Zielinski's in good form. They've got some other solid players at the uh, two. So, I mean, I think versus Poland, we lose versus Poland. Um, not even I think we're I think we're gonna lose. I, I think we don't make it out the group stage, honestly. I feel like we finish in third place. Feel like we lose versus Poland, get embarrassed by Argentina. We beat Saudi Arabia and that's it. I, I think we finished third in the group. But I don't, I don't see us making it out of the group stage. It's unfortunate to say, but I do hope if we get knocked out, I hope that wakes up the Federation, makes them realize like we need to do better than this. We're, or else we're, when it comes to the 2026 World Cup in Mexico, we're going to get embarrassed, but I doubt it. Because all, all they care about is money, and I mean, they're already qualified for the next World Cup, so they can just pretty much schedule a bunch of moleros and get money from it. So, but yeah, I don't see us making out of the group stage, if I'm being honest. I agree with that. I think Mexico needs to be embarrassed in this World Cup in order to wake up for next World Cup. All these last years of not preparing are coming back to haunt us, okay? I mean, look at the way all these clubs in Mexico, how they're doing, you know, their their youth development. Some clubs are doing great at it. Other clubs are not, all right? Well, the majority of clubs are not. And that's what's causing that's what's causing for Mexico to fall behind, not just from U.S. You know, from the neighbors uh, back door, but from other countries as well. I mean, if you think about it, Canada has been coming up. All right, they've been having a pretty good youth development as well. Bro, Canada in four years has developed a lot more than Mexico in the past sixteen. Yeah, and I think they've recently created their own league in Canada, so I think they're only going to go up from there. I mean, the talent. I think they'll pull out of from their local Canadian league is going to be a lot. And I said it before, I think USM and Canada are going to leave Mexico in the dust by the time Mexico realizes that. They're going to, it's going to be a bit too late. And, you know, they they might be in their um, phase where, you know, it's Canada and the U.S. are the biggest teams in the CONCACAF and Mexico's left behind and it will be sad. I mean, at these times is when I always think of what my dad said. <laughs> Whenever I used to watch uh, La Selección, he always be like, He's like, ¿por qué, ¿por qué ves la selección? They're like, lo único que te van a dar es, uh, es tristeza y fracasos. They're like, nunca te van a dar nada bien. And, you know, at that time, I was like, oh, he's just old and bitter. But looking back at it, like his words ring true to this day. All they do is give you the excepciones, as he says. And yeah. it sucks, you know. I hope, I hope he was wrong, but it, it doesn't look like it. So I just want to quickly make this clear. Yes, I don't think Mexico will make it out of the group. But don't get me wrong, I am going to root for my country as much as I can. If they make it out of the group stage, I will be parading on the streets as much as the next guy. I do want my team to succeed, but it's just not a realistic possibility. You know, like the like MJ said in Spider-Man Far From Home, um, set your expectations low so you don't, don't get disappointed. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Uh, she said it's uh, expect disappointment and you won't be, you won't, uh, be disappointed. Yeah, dude, I'm on that same boat. I see, I've seen a lot of Mexicans being like, dude, it's Messi's last World Cup. I hope they beat us. I mean, they'll probably will, but it's like, bro, you gotta, you always gotta root for your home country. Like, yeah. I, I'm rooting for Mexico. I mean, 
not only that, but Argentina beat us 2006 and 2010 World Cup. I don't know. That that still hurts me, bro. <laughs> Those World Cups hurt me. Those eliminations by Argentina. So I'm hoping we beat them. But as you said. Bro, the so. only way we can beat Argentina this go around is they see the starting lineup. They see Rogelio Funes Mori in the starting lineup, starting as the number nine as a striker. You know, se cagan de risa and they just, they can't play the game. <laughs> they were like, no, these guys can't be serious. And then, yeah. But no, dude, look at, look at Poland, dude. I'm looking at Poland's squad right now, bro. A lot of the players they have are coming from the top five leagues in Europe. I mean, look at this. Chesney, the goalie. Camille Glick plays in Italy, but he used to play for Monaco Defender. Matty Cash, Cash, right back for Vilda. He's a baller. Um, Jan Bednarek, Austin Villa center back. He's an, he's a baller. Uh, I'm just going off the ones I can name. Uh, Beresinski, Sampandoria. He right, he's also a right back, probably played with left back. Nikola Salawiski, I can't pronounce it. Roma, he plays left mid, left left back. Um, Selinski, he's good. Grosicki, Frankowski, uh, Szymanski from Feyenoord. Um, Piatek, then you got Milik and Lewandowski. Dude, they actually got a solid squad. I just think the coaching might be a bit off. What I've heard most Polish complain about is their coach isn't good, but dude, they still got a good squad. That's why a lot of people I saw making fun of Poland. I'm like, dude, Poland got to, has a good squad to make it out of the group stage over Mexico. But, I mean, we, we've seen it in the past. Mexico is one of those teams that always steps up in the World Cup. So, yeah. We've always seen, especially Robert Lewandowski, have individual moments of brilliance for Bayern Munich. We saw it for Barcelona a couple times this season already. I mean, who's to say he can't do it for Poland? And one thing Mexico struggles, especially Guillermo Ochoa, who is going to be the number one undoubtedly in goal, especially one aspect of the game he struggles with is aerial duels and headers. Well, not just Ochoa, Mexico in general with yeah. the short defenders. Yeah, Mexico in general. Um, and Poland is definitely, that's one of their strengths, you know? So, man, they're, they're going to be a hard, hard to handle with in the air. But yeah, I mean that's how the U.S. hurt us offset pieces, and I mean, dude, Milik and Lewandowski—they're starting up top. I mean, bro, the, I mean that's what I've heard. How I've heard they play is just they bomb centers into Lewandowski, and Milik, and if that's the case. I think they'll win a couple of those duels and probably hurt us. Yeah, I mean they're very similar to Sweden, who we lost to in 2018. So I expect honestly more of the same. Now we're gonna give you our full-on group stage predictions. Uh, we talked a little bit about Group C, but we'll recap that when we get there. But we are going to kick off with Group A. Yeah, we're just here to dive into the World Cup as it kicks off. This upcoming Sunday, first match is Qatar versus Ecuador. So might as well just kick it off with Group A, which contains the aforementioned Qatar and Ecuador, Senegal, and Netherlands. Uh, honestly, guys, I think this is a really competitive squad or a competitive group. I don't know how you guys feel, but I think it can go anyway. But the two teams that I see exiting the group is... Senegal and Netherlands. Oh, I thought you meant like actually like they were gonna like leave, like they weren't gonna make it through. Oh, so I was no. like, bro, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, as you said, Ecuador was a team I think went under the radar, honestly. But I think Netherlands tops the group, and then I'm gonna go with Ecuador just because I like their coaching more. And Senegal, I mean, uh, dude, it's tough. I'm a back Ecuador. I'm gonna say Netherlands and Ecuador. Well, I think Qatar is gonna go through, man. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> really good. I, mean, I don't. I don't know yet. I mean, here, let me see this. This Qatar uh, group real quick. This Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and Netherlands. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't think there's a doubt. I hope you know. I always hope for the home country to do well. Um. 
you know, especially especially since you know South Africa, because we were all hoping for South Africa to do well. So I'm I'm still hoping for Qatar to do well. But I think Netherlands and Senegal are going to go through first and second, um, and then Ecuador third, dropping down to the Europa League. Qatar at the end. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm gonna change my. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say Senegal too. I mean, even though Mane is missing, I think Ecuador, for just the pure reason that they are a younger squad, I don't think they're gonna make it. Sadly, so I'm gonna say Senegal. But I would not be surprised if Ecuador makes it through. I think one team we're all sleeping on is Qatar. I mean, although you kind of joked about it, but no, they're actually a really pretty decent squad. They have a lot of experience. You know, they played in international tournaments like the Copa America, like the Copa Oro, and they've proven they can, you know, punch uh, with the best of them. So they're, they are a team to look out for, and, you know, this being their World Cup, they're going to keep that in the back of their mind. So that's definitely one team to keep an eye out on. I mean, I still don't think they'll make it through, but I think they'll make it hard for some teams for sure. So... Next group, England, Iran, USA, Wales. Honestly, similar to Mexico and USA, or sorry, similar to Mexico and Poland. I think the opening group stage game for the US and Wales is really gonna dictate who finishes second in this group. I truly do believe England will finish first and whoever comes out with three points from that opening match between USA and Wales is gonna finish second. I don't know who it's gonna be. You know what? I think it's going to be USA. Wales, if they didn't have Gareth Bale in the form that he's on, it would be a different conversation. They're definitely going to make it difficult, but there's just too much pressure riding on this USA squad. There's just too much talent for them not to finish second. So I, I think I'll root for them. Ooh, that's... And when Mexico inevitably never makes it out of the group, you better believe I'm be rooting for the US. <laughs> I'm actually going to disagree with you. I know I'm going to sound like a hater, but... I've, as I said before, I don't like the U. I don't like Greg Berhalter as a coach. I feel like they have a lot of potential, potential, and I feel like he holds them back a lot. And for that reason, I feel he's going to underperform. I feel like the lights are going to be too bright for Greg Berhalter. And you know the criticism. I think I think he's done after the World Cup. If he doesn't qualify, I think he's done. I think he's fired. He's gone. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think England, as you said, I think they comfortably win the group. And I think second place goes to Wales. Um, it is a tough group because um, I Iran is no slouch. Um, <laughs> Dude, this guy, with this the guy. Jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I mean, either way, it's still a tough group. I mean, look, you got USA with uh, you know with their young players, first World Cup. They're they're gonna be hungry. England are definitely gonna be hungry. They were semi-finalists in the last World Cup, and Wales, you know. They also have a point to prove, so it, it's a definitely a tough, tough group. I think it's gonna go down to the last match day to see who goes through. Um, but I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be U.S. and Wales. Uh, Wales in no England first. No, I think England's gonna barely not make it through man what you you know what i'll actually defend although i would not be surprised if england did not have a good run i think i mean i still back them to go through because their squad quality is that good but southgate is in the hot seat and i feel like he's gone after the world cup regardless and i feel like some of his call-ups will haunt him so although although i don't agree with you i don't think it's as crazy as you're saying bro that's absurd England? It's not, bro. It's not crazy. I mean, just think about, really think about it. I thought about they it. Have You're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they have Harry Maguire, bro. 
Dude, Chelsea like, supposedly they want to sell Harry Maguire and Fred United does. Dude, they're going to take a big right, loss on Maguire and that freaking forehead yeah. of his. Honestly. But no, I'm going to I'm going to say it's going to go to the last match day. I know that for sure, but I'm going to I'm going to say US first. No, sorry. Yeah, US first, Wales second, England third. Bro, that is absurd. But damn. If you get it right, you're going to be a messiah. No, here's my thing. I think England are truly one of the favorites for this World Cup. I mean, let's look at the facts. It's a perfect fairy tale story. 2016, or excuse me, 2018, they make it to the semifinals, get knocked out. Then the Euros, 2022, or whenever it was, they make it to the final, can't make it. And then with the Queen's passing, God rest her soul, you know, they just, it's that extra oomph, that extra motivation to finally get over the line. So I do think they'll make the final, maybe win it. I mean, they're not my pick, but it's a very possible outcome. But yeah, it just blows my mind. <laughs> you don't even think they'll make it out of the group, Paul. Dude, I don't think it's as far-fetched as you're making it sound. I, I do agree. I think England's squad quality is too good to not make it out of the group stage, but I don't think it's as far-fetched, especially with the situation Southgate is in. I mean, we've seen them struggle before. And I, I, I mean, I don't read Southgate as a coach, but I don't think it's as far-fetched as Aldo as Aldo is. But I do think they make it out of the group stage regardless. It's a possibility, bro. That's all I'm saying. That is what I think could happen. Dude, I mean, we're calling you're calling him crazy now. We guess this right, dude. You're gonna you be win a lot of money. <laughs> all right. One thing I will say about this group, and it won't truly truly blow my mind if this happens, but I can very well see USA and Wales tying at the opening game then both losing to England and then both beating Iran and then it comes down to a tiebreaker for, to see who qualifies second whether it's goal difference yellow card accumulation whatever the case may be you know we saw it recently with Benfica and PSG in the Champions League I truly do think it can be one of these tiebreakers so I think they have to keep that in mind USA and Wales just to see who can qualify second but let's move on quickly to group C was to kind of reiterate our thoughts uh, Mexico is this is the worst squad we've seen in a while especially in the World Cup uh, too many talent too many players from Liga Mekis and Poland will exploit them in the aerial duel Argentina are just going to straight up hand out an ass whoop into Mexico at something like 3-0 or 4-0 and we'll beat Saudi Arabia on the last day so I think most of us agreed that we're going to see Argentina finish first and Poland second in the group I did say Mexico has a tendency to always step up in the big stage so I could see them making it making it second out of the group stage but I, I don't feel confident I mean as you said it this I've been watching the World Cup since 2006 and I could confidently say this is the worst World Cup squall up I've seen in, my, in that time and those World Cups I've watched so yeah Argentina first Poland second I don't know man Saudi, Saudi Arabia looks top notch oh uh, this guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know what no man I'm gonna say Argentina first Mexico second Poland third. Man, Saudi I truly Arabia. do believe you're right, but all right, Group D: France, Australia, Denmark, and Tunisia. Honestly, guys, I'm gonna—I think I'm gonna shock a few of you guys here. As we all know, there's a curse that exists with World Cup champions, where they mm-hmm. get knocked out in the group stage in the next World Cup. And France, let's be honest, they're not in the best form. There's some trouble inside the squad. Mbappe is, you know, essentially a little boy throwing temper tantrums left and right. And I truly do believe they won't even make it out of the group. And, <laughs> uh, and if that's the case, I truly do believe that Mexico finished second so they can face the winner or, yeah, the winner of this group, which I do think will be Denmark. I think Denmark is a team on the up. They got a lot of talent all over the pitch. I think they'll finish first. And 
I don't know. Maybe France can qualify second. But if I'm going with my theory and my conspiracy theory, I think they'll knock out the group stage. And I guess I'll say Australia <laughs> will finish second. Bro, I think I, I do agree with you. There has been a World Cup curse bit. I think those groups have been a bit more difficult. I mean, if you look at Germany last year in the 2018 World Cup, they had to face um, Sweden, South Korea, and Mexico, which is, you know, not the hardest, but they are difficult teams. I'll give them a fight. And then I think uh, in 2014, Spain had to face Netherlands. Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say Chile. Yeah, Paraguay, I think. They had to face a couple teams that were somewhat difficult. And in this one, um, the only difficult team I see France having to face is Denmark. I mean, Australia qualified by, like, the teeth of their skin, just barely. Tunisia, I, don't, I haven't paid attention to them, but I was just looking at the World Cup, Cup call-up, and there's no one that I recognize. Like, at least, like, sometimes I'd be like, oh, this guy, he plays for... I don't mind, I recognize one guy. I, I think Aldo, you'll recognize him, too. Han- yeah, Hannibal Medjberry, Medjberry. Yep. Yeah, I recognize him, and that's it. I mean, that's the it's him and and Dylan Braun are the only two that play in a what's considered a top league in Europe. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think Denmark finishes first and France second. But I I, st- I just don't see them. Do like I just don't see Australia and Tunisia giving them a big fight. I mean. As, as the same with England, I think their squad quality is too good not to make it out of here. Yeah, man. I mean, Tunisia's on fire right now, bro. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but, but seriously, I think Tunisia has pretty good chances in this group um, to go through in second. Um, I'm going <sighs> to... I'm going to agree with Chris. You know, that curse has been going on for a while now. And it's been so evident these last couple of World Cups. So I'm going to say, I'm going to go on the safe side. I'm going to say France first, Denmark second. Yeah, look, I was just looking at the group from 2014. It was Spain, Netherlands, Chile, and Australia. Chile at that time had a good squad. They had Alexis Sanchez, Arturo Vidal, a couple other players that were really good form in Europe. And I just... France, dude. I mean, dude, they got the a plethora of so their weakest is their midfield, but even then, they got good midfield. They got Varane, Kunde, a couple other players, but up front, I mean, dude, their front three can almost be as lethal as Brazil's with Dembele, Kunku, Benzema, Griezmann, Giroud, who's also been in really good form. Giroud, yeah, a couple other players I'm probably forgetting, but I mean, Coleman, dude, I mean. Mbappe. Mbappe, yeah, dude, how I forget him. But yeah, they just, they could have one of the most lethal front three. But, yeah. Yeah, definitely a high, highly contested group. But moving on to another group that has two really strong teams in it Group E, Spain, Germany, Costa Rica, and Japan. For me, it's pretty clear. I think Spain finished first, Germany finished second. Yeah, I agree with you. Spain first. You know, I'm going to say Germany first, Spain second, just because I feel Spain isn't as... I don't trust their forwards as much. They're not as lethal. But I think Japan will definitely give a good fight to both of them there. They got a couple players on there that are looking real solid, but I don't think they have enough to beat Spain or Germany. So, yeah. This is me being serious right now. I think Japan has pretty good 
surprised you didn't say surprised you didn't say Costa Rica instead. <laughs> well, I mean, Co- Costa Rica, they they can maybe get it done. They Kaylor do have Navas, Kaylor Navas. <laughs> Yeah, they do have Kaylor Navas, and we know how he did in the last World Cup, uh, or no? In twenty fourteen. Yeah, twenty fourteen. So we know how he, what he can do in World Cups, but I don't know. I just don't think Costa Rica has it this year. But Japan, they've been they've been up and coming. You know, they've been making some infrastructure improvements back there. Um, they has they have young talent, and they're fast, man. They're quick. They're agile. So I wouldn't see. I wouldn't be surprised if they go through over Spain or Germany. Um, but because I said. Spain wasn't going to go through because they didn't take the hair. I'm going to say Germany <laughs> and Japan first, second. Bro, I agree with you that Japan is an up-and-coming squad, but I don't think they're good enough this year. I mean, I'm looking at the call-up right now. Dude, they have a lot of players playing in the top five leagues in Europe. But, I mean, most notable, they got Tomiyasu at Arsenal. Yoshida, who I recognize. Um, they got Ito from Stuttgart, Itakura from Borussia Mönchengladbach. They got Minamino from Monaco. Minamino. Takefusa Kubu from uh, Sociedad. They got Endo from Stuttgart. Um, they got Tachi Kamada, who's been really solid for Frankfurt. But they, I mean, they got a solid squad. If we're being honest, but I, don't, I still don't think it's enough. But I, I, would, I wouldn't say that one's not as far fetched as England not qualifying. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's just crazy, bro. All right. In my opinion, this is truly the group of death. Um, group F, Belgium, Canada, Monaco, and Croatia. And I say group of death for the level of competitiveness in this group. I think it's very evenly matched between all four teams across the board. Belgium, they were number one in the world for so long in the FIFA rankings. No idea why, because they don't really win anything. Although they do have a strong squad, uh, Canada is very much up and coming. They got a lot of exciting talent. Alfonso Davis, Jonathan David. Tejon Buchanan, Richie Larea, just to name a few. Kyle Laren. Kyle Laren. Who, how can I forget him? Morocco, who I think will be extremely benefited by the inclusion of Hakim Ziyech. Uh, they also got Hakim Nori uh, for Wolves. Got Abde. Yeah. Um, Munir. It's just a lot of talent all across the board. El Nasiri. Hakimi. Hakimi. Masarawi. Oh, yeah. Dude, that squad is stacked from Bono and goal. Yeah. Croatia. We all know the fairy tale run that they won on last World Cup, but... I truly do think that Croatia's golden generation is going to come to a screeching end at this World Cup. I mean, honestly, the only notable player they have is Modric, Brozovic. Um, they're not taking Rebic. Perisic is in there, but he hasn't really been on good form, good form for Spurs. I think they're going to finish fourth. And, and then I think that Mont- Morocco will finish third, uh, Canada will finish second, and Belgium will finish first. Um. Yeah, I think this is a group of death, as you said, and mm, that's tough, man. But I, I, I do think Belgium will fail, but I think they'll still make it out of the group. So I'll say Belgium. Yeah, I say Belgium makes it out, but I say purely because Courtois saves their ass. I don't. I think Courtois will save their ass, and then I say second. I say Croatia, Croatia, Belgium, and Croatia go through because I want to say Morocco so bad, but I just think the inexperience and how much troubles and allegations have been made against them these past few months uh, before AFCON and stuff, just how much trouble they were having with the amount of corruption was in there. I think I, I think that's all distraction and still going to affect some players. Like we saw Siyek had a falling out with the coach. He even retired internationally. I think he was still called. I think he unretired. But yeah, I think I want to say Morocco so bad just because I believe in them. But 
I say Belgium and Croatia just because of Morocco's off-field nonsense that's been going on. I kind of want to root, root more for Canada than any other of these nations just because they are our neighbors to the north, you know. Um, they have some really good maple syrup. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> bacon? Bacon. Oh, Canadian bacon. Well, I mean, Canadian bacon is just ham. So yeah, I've heard it's not as good either. <laughs> yeah, it's not as good. But the maple syrup, I did try that out. That is dank. Um so yeah, hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm gonna say it's gonna be Belgium, Canada, Croatia, and then Morocco. I'm gonna say Canada goes through. Damn. Hell yeah. The only reason I don't back Canada, well, besides the obvious that Croatia and Morocco are better teams, because of their inexperience as well. So, yeah. Would you say Belgium and Belgium and Croatia? But dude, I want to say Morocco, but no, I'll just stick with Croatia. All right, Group G, uh, I think I'm going to go for a bit of an upset, but Brazil obviously takes first place, and then I'm going to go for Cameroon for second. Um, I think there's another evenly matched group, but I say Brazil, and uh, I'm going to say Serbia. I feel like Serbia's gone under the radar a bit. They got a couple solid players, and they got Vlaovic and Mitrovic as strikers. But yeah, I'm going to say Brazil and Serbia. I'm going to say Brazil and Cameroon. Nice. I, I really an African nation to go through, yeah, um, and continue, like you know where they left off back in 2010. Wait, can you switch my? I'm, I'm actually say Switzerland. Oh, Switzerland. I I I back Ser- I like Serbia, but Switzerland just their squad that always goes under radar and always ends up surprising people, and I think that's what they'll do here. So Switzerland. All right, this next one, the last group, which does contain Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. Honestly, this is a really good group too, but. For my my picks, I'm going on this solely based on the fact that I want to see a clash of heavyweights in the round of 16. So for that, I want to say Uruguay finished first and Portugal finished second, setting up a Brazil-Portugal round of 16 match. I'm going to go Portugal first. And, no, you know what? I'm going to agree with you. I think Uruguay first. I think Uruguay will beat Portugal. No, you know what? I'm going to go for the shocker. I'm going to say... Ur- no, no, no. Never mind. I was going to say Uruguay and, and Ghana, but no, no, no. I'll just stick with Uruguay first, Portugal second. But I'm gonna say it now. Dude, I just think I it's think, destiny that Ronaldo does not get embarrassed in his last group. I just, I just don't think he'll go out like that. I just don't think he will. But go ahead. Who the fuck's Ronaldo? Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, no, it's another good, good group here. Um, you know, I want to say South Korea, but the only player they really have that I can really think of right now. His son. Um, they got the defender from in... Napoli. Oh yeah, I forgot about him too. Kim, Kim was Kim, it Kim Jan? Kim May Ja. You were about to say the Kim North Korea leader, bro. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Kim Jong Un. What's wrong <laughs> with you? <laughs> Jeez, but but no, I mean I, I don't think so. Um, I'm gonna say I don't like Uruguay, especially after 2010. What they know, did what Ghana. They did. <laughs> Yeah, Luis that Suarez, was blasphemous. Luis I do like Diego Forlando, I will say that, and Cavani, but not Uruguay just because of that. So I'm going to say Portugal and Ghana go through. What? That's actually a good shout. Portugal and Ghana? Oof. Yep. No, I, don't. I was going to say Uruguay and Ghana, but no, dude, Portugal and Uruguay. I just feel like Destiny won't allow Ronaldo to get eliminated in the group stages, bro. All right, guys, very quickly. Uh, who do you guys have as favorites for the World Cup? Me, I know I mentioned England earlier just because of that fairy tale story and the Queen's passing. 
But I truly do believe this is the first World Cup in what, 14, 18 years where a team outside of Europe wins it. And whether it's Brazil or Argentina, I'm more leaning to Argentina just because I think the stars are truly aligning for Messi. I think it's my top three, if I had to pick them, would be Brazil, Argentina, and England. My top three would be Brazil, Argentina, and I'd still back France. I'd say France. I'm going to say, I don't know, man. It's just tough. I'm going to say Qatar, Iran, Saudi Arabia. Anyone that hasn't won the world, I just want a new (laughs) champ. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that would be nice. Champion. Um, I kind of don't want Argentina, but now I definitely don't want Portugal. Well, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. There's a lot of bias in me right now, but whoever wins, I just want a new champion. We'll see what happens. But I'm a root for Portugal. All right, all right. I got another quick one for you guys. Who, who's going to be the top goal scorer? Holland. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was about to say Holland. I, I was thinking of Holland too, but I was like, he's not in it. Uh, you know, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Messi's gonna do his best, and he's gonna end up top goal scorer. I think I think it's gonna be Kane again. Kane, ooh, that's not a bad shout either. Damn, that's hard. I wouldn't mind seeing Messi, obviously, but damn, that is tricky. I don't think there'll be anyone from France. Definitely no one from Spain. Ooh, Big Benjamin can also be a player. Ben, uh, I have him getting knocked out of the group stage, so I wouldn't say them. Another player who usually performs, Thomas Muller. Except for the 2018 World Cup, he had scored at least four to five goals in 2010 and 2014 World Cup. At the moment, he's on 10 goals, six away from tying close as top goal scorer all time, five away from being second. So maybe he can break that record if he goes to the next two World Cups, but... Yeah, but who, who would you say, Christian, before? Well, that's tough because Ronaldo won it last year, I and mean, he only got knocked out in the round of 16. You know, I'm going to go for another Argentine. I'll say Lisandro, not Lisandro, Lautaro Martinez. Yeah, I think he'll be very pivotal to the tournament. Good shout. All right. I'm going to stick with Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to do it for us this week, guys. Uh, make sure you tune in uh, for the entirety of the World Cup because we're definitely going to cover the entire tournament as best we can. Uh, thank you, as all, for listening. Follow us on Twitter, especially during the World Cup. We'll be more active during there at 90 and 60 pod. And we'll see you in the next one. Adios. Adios.